Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my Slayer sister, Ananga Severe. We come together weekly on Skype to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you. Together, we share a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. And we've been partnered up and sharing our podcast with you now for over six years. Thanks for listening. Today, we're going to discuss a listener question. But before we do that, welcome, Ananga. Hi, Shan. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good today. Thank you. And you? I'm doing all right. So I'm going to launch right into the question. Hello, Anxiety Slayer. I often listen to your podcasts, which are a great help to me. But I often find myself thinking that something is wrong. My thoughts get out of control and the anxiety overrides everything. My thoughts of calming myself down are non-existent. How can I help nip these thoughts in the bud and tell myself I'm okay, that I'm not dying, that I don't need surgery, etc., etc.? Do you know why our brains override good thoughts with extremely bad ones? This is a question that we actually hear a lot, that our thoughts get out of control and anxiety overrides everything. And so I'd love for us to dig a little bit deeper into why our brains, why do they override our good thoughts with extremely bad ones? From what I've read from Ayurveda, India's ancient system of healthcare, there's a lot of teachings there on the mind and the nature of the mind. And it's very interesting to me because, you know, we're born with a mind, we're born with a body, and we don't really have a manual of how to use them and how to keep them healthy and get the best out of them. Ayurveda has been the, the most vast area of information that I've looked at on these subject matters. And it teaches that the mind is very sensitive and that the mind is very easily disturbed and it requires constant care and direction. So for me, when I was suffering with anxiety and I first read that, that, it was a real relief because we have this thing of what's wrong with me? Is it just me? And it isn't. It's not just you. And it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's that our thinking apparatus is very sensitive and very easily disturbed. And it's like that for all of us. We talk a lot about healthcare and physical healthcare, but we, when we talk about mental health, it's always in the sense of mental health issues, problems, mental health illness, not mental health how to be mentally healthy. And the thing with the mind is it needs a lot of love and it needs a lot of care. And the more we can fill it with good thoughts and the more we can avoid disturbing it with drama, intense movies and the news, etc., the more settled it would be. And those are like the equivalent of junk food for the mind. We say if, if you want your body to be healthy, don't put junk in it. If you want your mind to be settled, spare it the junk as well. I agree. And I think that the practice of looking for evidence that we're okay is also quite helpful. Yeah, definitely. That present moment awareness that would go back to how can I nip these thoughts in the bud and tell myself I'm okay. Yeah, look for evidence that you are okay right now because the mind likes to time travel. It likes to go back to past traumas and, and rerun them. And then it likes to get hold of them and throw them ahead of us in the future. What if that happens again? How would I cope with that? Who's going to look after my cat? Who's going to pick up my child from school? We get right into the details of a future event that's just a construct based on a bad past experience. It's amazing how the mind will do that. It kind of go over your shoulder and get it and throw it right in front of you. But right here, right now, 
What are you doing? It reminds me of Byron Katie's work where she asks you, you know, is that true? Yeah. So when, when your mind starts to, to run away from you and, and to tie back into a healthy mind and how we care for our healthy mind. Well, when these thoughts come up, we remind ourselves that we're okay. We can do things like grounding techniques or guided breathing practices, checking in with a friend, all of the different things that we've talked about over the years to change the conversation, change the internal dialogue. For me, it's, I'm okay. Sometimes I just need to say, it's, it's cool. I'm okay. And, and remember, and it might take me a few times telling myself that, but wow, look at how my mind just took off by being aware of that, by seeing it and, and, and saying, huh, that's interesting. Boy, I really uh, took that on a marathon today. Yeah, and that is the nature of the mind. And I think it's, it gives us a lot of peace when we understand that. I've been meditating for 30 years and I'm not a good meditator from <laughs> the expectation of meditation. I'm still very bad at it. Why? Because every single morning when I meditate, my mind goes walkabout and I have to bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. But that's it. That is the nature of the mind. We have to constantly bring it back under our control. So the first thing to do that is to notice, oh, you've gone over there, back you come. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's gone for a couple of minutes before I notice and I have to bring it back and try and engage it in what I'm meditating on. And then it'll go again, bring it back. But that is the nature of the mind. So for me to say I'm a bad meditator, I'm a practicing meditator, everyone is, other than those that have really been doing it for years, very, very attentively and mastered that. But it takes a long time, but it's okay in the act of bringing the mind back, that is meditating, bringing it back, bringing it back. So the key is to practice with simple things that you're certain of. When your mind tries to run away, right now, I'm alive, I'm breathing, I'm here, and in this moment, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I love that. In this moment, I'm okay. Yeah, right here, right now. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, right here, right now, you're listening to us, and we're trying to offer you some support. That's what's happening right here, right now. All the other stuff, the past, the future, those are either unwelcome memories or uncertain futures. Try and just be here, be here with us now. We, we miss so much opportunity for support and contentment. You know, how often somebody gives us a hug and are we feeling the hug? Are we feeling the connection? Are we feeling the support or are we looking over their shoulder worrying about something else? Have we got time to receive that incoming love? We're so distracted and all these screens and Facebook and phones and that stuff, it's not helping. It's making us more disassociated. So if your mind's running around, then really try it and get it grounded. When a hug comes, accept the hug, return the hug. When the opportunity comes to sit with your breath or just take that moment to be peaceful. When you're cooking, smell the spices, feel the vegetables, feel the temperature, get involved in textures, sounds, smells. Get involved and use your senses as much as you possibly can to be present in the moment and your mind will start to settle down. I think that it's also important to remember that we need to be extremely patient with ourselves. And I would say, Ananga, you're not a bad meditator. I I think (laughs) that you keep coming back 30 years later means that you are a practicing meditator whose mind doesn't travel away. Everyone's does. There's a very small percentage of, of people who don't. So 
keep practicing breathing and grounding techniques and, and anything that works every day, even if it's just a little bit of time each day, it will make a difference. And that's kind of like what we talked about last week. Just stick to it. Yeah, that's the key. I have a, a relative who has four dogs and she's really good with them. She really takes good care of them, but she can tell when they really need to go for a walk. And if they don't, then it's going to be crazy in the house if they don't get outside and get their walk. And it's the same with the mind. It needs certain activities that, that are healthy for it. And although I've referenced myself as, you know, a very green bean meditator, still very practicing meditator, I know what happens when I don't do it and it's not good. If I don't spend that time in the morning with my meditation practice, I really suffer. I really miss it and I really suffer for it. So I think that's another way that we can judge the quality of an activity is even though we may not feel we've mastered it, what's happening in that, mm-hmm. connect, in that connected moment in that meditation practice. And I wouldn't be without that for anything. So yes, every day, keep trying. And to understand that this is our apparatus, that our, our thoughts, our mind, this is the equipment we have to direct ourselves and to structure our thoughts. And it's very sensitive and it's very easily disturbed for all of us. So then the more we can make choices with our intelligence, which sits above the mind and direct it kindly with patience and with regular attention and regular direction, then the mind gradually, gradually will give us less trouble. Let's talk about why our brains override good thoughts with extremely bad ones. It's that thing again of them being sensitive, the mind being sensitive, being easily disturbed. I was listening to a seminar a while ago on meditation, meditation practice, and they said, how do you have a good meditation session in the morning? And the answer was, it starts the day before. Whatever you've taken in the day before comes out in your practice in the morning because you're quiet, you're sitting, it's a blank page. So what did you do the day before? If you're watching something violent, something intense, if you've encountered something disturbing, that comes out in your quiet time. Any quiet time. It doesn't just have to be your meditation quiet time. Whatever we filled our head with the day before comes out the next day. So when you start practicing mindful awareness, being in the moment, being connected with those you love, being connected with nature, you are grounding your mind in peaceful activity, peacefully passing the time. And the next day, that will be there for you. If the day before you've been watching something really intense, something unsettling, something disturbing, maybe watching the news, it's going to be on your mind. We talk about having things on our mind. What are we allowing to be on our mind? For myself, I don't watch the news. I don't want it on my mind when I get up to do my practice the next morning. If I've read something sweet, inspiring, uplifting, something spiritually enlightening before I go to bed, the night before, then hopefully that will be available to me the next morning. So it really is, you know, just this thing, the mind's easily disturbed and what are we feeding it? How are we protecting it? I love that we can make that choice to take in a beautiful reading, poetry, music, whatever it might be before we go to sleep for the night. It's such a simple and beautiful practice and a great way to set yourself up if you are meditating in the morning. Yeah. If your chosen anxiety slaying practice is breathing, then your mind will be more peaceful to do that. If, right. you, if you choose to do some mindful walking in the morning, get out in nature, you just get a better head start with it. You've, you've got a more peaceful start with your mind, whatever you're choosing to do to support yourself and to look after your mental health. 
in the positive sense. Really important because the senses are described in Ayurveda as they're the knowledge acquiring senses, is how they're referred to. But are they being fed with knowledge and good information and ideas how to help ourselves, ideas how to grow ourselves, or are they just being bombarded with chatter and noise and violence and gossip and just rubbish that comes sure. at there's, us? Yeah, because there's so much fear based rhetoric going on right now, both in the UK and in, in the States. And we don't need to take in the news multiple times each day, not even every day. And for many people, very, very little. It, you know, you, you can still be aware of what's going on in your community and in the world without having that barrage. And I know that uh, in the United States, it's a very regular uh, practice to watch the news in the morning and to watch it again around dinner time, and perhaps to even watch it again before bed. Not for everyone, but having been in the in the television business as long as I was, that was a very real habit for people. And I think, oh my goodness, that usually the stories are pretty much the same in the same day, unless some sort of breaking news happens. And then to just continue to feed that, what you'd already heard, and to feed it some more and feed it some more. And by the time you go to bed, it's no wonder that you're anxious and cranky and having a hard time sleeping and dealing with things if, if all you're doing is taking in those uh, fear-based stories. Yeah, just uh, engulfing ourselves in negative information, which often we can do nothing about. So we feel helpless, we feel powerless, we feel afraid, we feel sad. It feeds so much in us that isn't conducive to having a peaceful, contented mind. You know, I, I don't watch the news or read newspapers at all, but I am up to date with what's going on. You know, you see it on social media, you have discussions with people. I'm fairly up to date. I don't know the minute detail. And if I did, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast with you now because my mind doesn't do well on it. I learned very early on when I was about 19, 20 and I was having bad panic attacks. One day I actually ran from our living room when I was living at home because of an event that came on the news. I just ran from the room. I couldn't take it. I couldn't do anything about it. I found it overwhelmingly scary. And yeah, we're just having our ears and eyes bombarded with stuff, which is stuff we can't do anything about. We, We desperately wish we could, but we can't. So it brings this anxious, helpless sense to us. And again, coming back to the uh, teachings of Stephen Covey, he talks about this circle of influence and the circle of concern. And when we work within our circle of influence, we're working where we do have the power to do something, even if it's a small something, better to work with what we can do than to be engulfed by and afraid of the things that we can do nothing about. Great question. I'm so thankful to to you and Anga and to all of our listeners for continuing to share their questions with us and for the opportunity to discuss them with you and to do uh, to do all we can to support anybody who might find us with living a little bit more peaceful, comfortable life. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. We invite you to visit the Slayer store where you can get 50% off on every anxiety relief support pack that we've created through the end of December. Want to learn more? Visit anxietyslayer.com forward slash store.